Hey, so if you sell high ticket coaching packages 4K up, you're going to want to listen to this episode today because my guest today is going to show you how to double your conversions and increase your prices to a crazy amount. I think 10x more? Yeah, sounds pretty good, hey? Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Hello, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm your host, Jules Dan. I'm joined by Robin White today. He's my guest. He's from the Fearless Business Podcast, and uh, Robin is a mathematician wizard when it comes to packaging and pricing offers, and he's done it with hundreds of different business owners, and we even do a almost like a mock sort of how he would do it for his clients on the podcast so you can get a real feel for it. Um, and if you want to dive more into Robin's stuff, then I'm going to leave it all in the show notes below. But without further ado, here's my guest today, Robin White from the Fearless Business Podcast. G'day, this is Jules Dan here from Storytelling Secrets. I'm joined by Robin White from Fearless Business and the Fearless Business Podcast. Robin, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. It's my absolute pleasure, Jules. I'm so excited when you invited me on as a guest. So looking forward to seeing where our chat goes. Yeah, mate, I heard you on uh, JLD's podcast and then um, I haven't had anyone talk. I've only had one person talk about pricing on the podcast. I really wanted to get into it. And uh, when, I, when I invited you on, you sent me your book. That was very kind of you. And I read your book before I obviously came on the podcast. I'd be pretty stupid if I didn't read it. But um, I'd love it if you could tell my audience a little bit about yourself, your quick cliff notes, quick, quick cliff notes backstory to how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'll, I will keep it brief because I know it doesn't look like it, but I've been in business for 20 years now. So you're thinking I'm a young buck, but no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a vet. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I didn't I've think worked... that. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I always have to caveat it just in case. There's probably somebody out there who thinks, God, you look 50. And then, you know, I've got it all the wrong way around. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I started that life as a systems analyst, actually straight out of school. So I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, a number cruncher. Um, and the, the company I ended up working for, the boss was brilliant, incredibly like um, uh, skilled at designing these most amazing medical products for the business that we worked in, but rubbish when it came to running a business. So figured I could potentially do a better job than him and started up a marketing agency, yep. doing web design and branding and fun stuff like that. So really getting inside the heads of the businesses that we worked with to understand their brand stories. And uh, we used to really enjoy the design side of it. But um, fast forward 12 years, I think the business world had shifted quite dramatically and marketing wasn't what it used to be um, sort of way back when, when I set up a business in 2004. So, uh, and also I was um, between daughters as well. So I have, I have two young girls and uh, we were about to have our second daughter, Sophie, she was about to arrive. And I just wanted a bit of a slower pace of life of things, really. Um, the agency, very successful, like for a local small agency, 
Uh, we had a small team of four people. We'd grown it to 250,000 uh, pounds sterling um, a year revenue, which was good for a local agency, but it was like, it, con- it was just frenetic. It was like always, always switched on, always working. Mm-hmm. I had a slight, my team was slightly dysfunctional. We had 120 bosses in our customers and it just wasn't fulfilling oh, me anymore. Yeah. So um, I took the management. opportunity with my paternity leave, slow everything down, take three months off and then figure out what it was that I was going to do. So set up Fearless Business, which is the coaching practice, uh, uh, you know, and everything that's gone along with that over the last five years and had the best three months of my life um, on paternity leave and um, spending time with my new family. So it's amazing. Oh, that's really good. Okay. So this is part of the part of the um, the book that I didn't maybe get to or didn't quite get, get there because before in your book, um, Take Your Shot, it was is that was that from like the very beginnings where when right when you caught the entrepreneurial bug just uh i'd love to sort of catch up on that timeline well so take your shot so you're probably kind of drawing on the actual story that i tell in in that book now it's not based on so russ the character in the book isn't actually me albeit i do draw on some of the emotional stuff of running that business and things like Mm -hmm. that the character who i based myself on in that story is actually david so the old guy and so okay yeah so there we go it's a little i well maybe i shouldn't i've probably just done a complete sort of um uh you know give me a story you're an imposter (laughs) (laughs) yeah the idea was that i i I designed david's character around like Mm. how i sell myself as a as a coach in in sort of 20 years time when i first started writing that book um yeah and how i how i perceived a coach should be helping the business owners that he works with um but that said there are elements of obviously the story in take your shot russ's journey which I couldn't necessarily pull out, like draw out of Russ's head because it is based on a real, real person. Right, right, story. right. Yep, yep. Um, uh, so I kind of used my own experiences of having a young family and what that felt like, and that emotional bit which you connected with in the story mm. that is based on my own kind of experiences. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, oh, for people who haven't read his book, it, it definitely go read it. It's a short, short read. You'll get it done in an evening, um, so it won't be there reading all night. And uh, it, it's, it's a really nice arc that I enjoy where. Um, you start out as like, you're kind of an entrepreneur, but, but a very disorganized one and not really aware of what's possible. Um, and then you, and then with a few tips from David, the business coach, you're able to then get a little win. And the first little win was putting it into an eight, an eight lesson package for, for the golf thing. And, um, I remember that's one of the first wins I had was that I stopped selling emails and I started selling packages or promotions and and that's what that's why i said to you when i messaged you i'm like that really hit home because that's exactly what happened to me it's kind of uncanny how that is that the normal arc for most people who are in service-based businesses or entrepreneurs yeah absolutely the the thing about service-based businesses service client businesses that the the business owner thinks that and it's it's not really driven by ego a lot of people see ego as being quite a negative thing but that these business owners see themselves as being the thing that people are actually paying for so they see themselves as the greatest commodity within their business. And if somebody's going to buy their services, they're buying them. So ergo, they sell time for money. They sell hours of their time. What they don't actually realize is that, you know, there's there's multiple cost bases within a business. So one is your time. That mm-hmm. That's a given. You know, everything takes time. Uh, that That's the, mo- the rarest commodity that we've got of all. And so it should be worth the most. But there are two other things which people don't tend to factor into their businesses. 
The first one being just general expenses, day-to-day running of a business costs money. It's like subscription services, your yeah. accountant, yeah. your yeah. market, all cost money. So that's the second thing. The third thing is the intellectual property. So when you're just starting out in business, you don't necessarily have loads of IP, but you might have done a degree. You might have done a course which qualifies you to deliver that service or something like that. And then over time, you then start to build on your IP by delivering your service to people and starting to get results and outcomes for them. And the thing is, like when you factor in firstly those three things as a rule of thumb, if you're charging by the hour, you're probably only charging a third of what you're worth. So you need to up your rates by minimum 3x, okay? But really, you can, you can actually just disregard everything that I've just said just with this one simple thing. If you start to focus on the outcomes and results which you deliver for your yeah. clients, okay? And I, I've worked with business owners where um, they've, they've created multiple six and seven figure outcomes for their clients, mm-hmm. right? And they're charging 50 bucks an hour. Yep. So it's like million in at the top and 50 pound an hour at the bottom. It just... <laughs> It's totally like uneven. And so we, we try and help our clients get to a point whereby they really kind of believe in their value that they're delivering for their clients, that they're able to articulate that value through, you know, the process of storytelling, being able to deliver a simple value proposition to explain what that transformation is going to be to get, from you know, this is how we're going to work and we're going to take you from A yeah. to B and this is what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Key. And when you get that, it's like you've experienced, it's like, it's absolutely transformational. Exactly. It is transformational because uh, the client isn't guessing like, is this going to work? Like this is the exact steps we're going to take. Um, and like you said, you've in the book, there's a guarantee we're going to get results for you. Well, that's what you mentioned. There should be a guarantee, some kind of guarantee. That's really important. Um, Want to know something interesting, Robin though? You know, the f- first time I did a launch for someone ever was a very modest $2,000 and I made them 150K. So it was just a ridiculous ROI. The next time I came, they came back to me, I double and a half my prices and they didn't want to pay. They were like, it's too expensive. And I was like, what? What? And that kind of really stunted my confidence. And um, I know for some people, the reason why I wanted to bring this up was because sometimes it can be a bit scary to, to up your value, to up your price. And even when you have that clear, um, you know, the result roadmap for the client, I know this problem will come up for so many people, maybe from yeah. your clients or people listening. How do you get them over that fear of uh, this is the increased price now? Well, firstly, like kudos for you for actually putting your prices up because one of the most common things which I hear is I'll, I'll challenge people to increase their prices and it doesn't have to be double or treble. Okay. If, you, yeah. if you're not feeling quite as brave, you could just do it by 10 or 20%. But the greatest, the biggest objection, most common objection I get is, oh, either my existing clients won't, you know, will leave or new clients won't pay that money. And I'm kind of like, well, based on what? If you're a detective in the police force, you would, and somebody phoned up with a crime that's being committed, yeah. you, you'd, you would start to gather evidence as a detective, wouldn't you? Go out and you'd find data and gather evidence that this crime has been committed. Is it going to stand up in court? You come back and then you'd, you'd figure out whether your assumption about that crime was correct or not. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly the same process in business. You've got to go out and you've got to gather data. So uh, for the first thing I always say is, well, what evidence do you have that people won't pay that? Because have you ever yeah. gone out and charged double? Yeah. And some, had somebody say no and they go, oh, well, just... no, they wouldn't do it. Right. Exactly. So what, what I say is go and pitch whatever price point you feel comfortable at pitching at and there's a process for working that number out as well which i can go through with you too mm, yeah I love but to. um uh but go and pitch 10 people and if you're if you're good at what you do and you 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 know a bit, a bit of experience around sales and you've sold some stuff in the past 
you know, you pitch 10 people, you're going to close probably two, three or four of those people at that new price point. And I know I know that because I've taken hundreds of businesses through the process. Yeah. Okay. So, but what we do is I always challenge them and say, listen, go and disprove my, my theory. Go and, t- go and find me, gather me evidence and prove to me that I'm wrong, that nobody's going to pay, pay, pay for it at this price. Yeah. And if you're right and I'm wrong, I'll pay whatever price point you pitch those 10 people at. I'll give you that in cash. You don't even have to do any work for me. So I, I'll actually put a sportsman's bet down on it. And, cool. um, but, but how do you figure out what price to charge? Okay. Yeah. So Jules, I need you to work with me for a second here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be speaking between the camera and like down here so I can look at you whilst we're doing yeah. this. Cause I yeah. need to, I'm looking for evidence and clues. Okay. So give me a product that you would love to sell that you know, that currently you're, you're undercharging for it. Uh, a launch. Yes. I keep going okay, up so the prices launch. for my launches. Cause they're so just what valuable. have you charged? What have you charged for it historically up to this day? historically and then up to now so uh, what what was the last last launch you sold how much did you sell it for five thousand us five thousand dollars us okay so and you 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 know that you want to sell it for more money could you sell it for a hundred thousand dollars depending on the client okay depending on the client but could you sell it for a hundred thousand dollars i could i could technically yes so do you feel comfortable selling it at a hundred thousand dollars uh if I knew I was in front of the right client, yes. If you knew you're in front, if you're in front of your average client, okay. Yeah. How's your level of confidence feeling at the moment? Are you kind of like, let, I tell you what, let's let's line up like twenty of your average clients, and now you've got to pitch them all at hundred thousand dollars. You think comfortable or not? I'd have to practice it. <laughs> But so what, first of all, first step, we've created a bandwidth here. We agree that 5,000 is not enough. 100,000 is probably pushing the boundaries a bit. Okay. But what we want to do is pick a number that's going to be somewhere in your kind of just out, just outside your comfort zone. Okay. So I'm going to start a little auction with you. I'm going to work up from $5,000 and I'm going to do it in increments. And I'm going to, I'm going to know when we've hit your comfort zone. Okay. For those 20 people of your average client. So $10,000, $20,000, (laughs) $30,000, There we go. You even verbally said stop. So now the challenge is for the next 10 or 20 prospective clients that you pitch to, your next 10 or 20 launches, you're going to pitch at 40K. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, you you talked about guarantees earlier on, and a, a major part of this is based around your confidence and your own ability to deliver. And some of the things which you told me already, I know that you're good at what you do because mm. you told me you did a million and a half dollar launch. Okay, well, I'm not quite. One hundred fifty thousand. Oh, 150,000 launch. Yeah. Okay. Well, it will even still, you know, forty thousand in one hundred fifty thousand out is still a good return on investment. That's good. Okay. So, um, but what we maybe need to do is what you'll find is that 40K, you're going to get a slightly different, maybe a slightly better, more committed client to what you were getting at, say, 5K. Mm. 5K is easy. You sell those in your sleep. Okay. Now it's a, it's a different challenge. You've got to be, you've got to be trying to find clients where you can, you can actually position a seven figure launch in front of them and show them what's, you know, what's potential, what the potential is. But have some skin in the game. What if you said to them, well, listen, if we don't hit a million, we'll ratchet back my fee. Or better still, yeah. if we don't hit it, I just, you don't have to pay me. I'll refund you the money. Oh, that is a lot of skin in the game. But it would make me... Because it, 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 I know it would be possible, so then it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that bad. Because um, for me, they have to hit all the che- all the right boxes, right? So... They have to yeah. be sending to their list frequently beforehand. They can't, I can't just be sending to a dead list. There's got to be probably a certain amount of people. 
they've been need to be pitched before and uh otherwise i wouldn't feel comfortable saying that maybe the, i've spoke about this in my group coaching yesterday and he said well you just need more conviction that it is going to work what do you think about that yeah but but also think about it this way this this is about this is about um uh it's like a coaching jet conversation which you need to have with people as well because okay the goal is a million look if you only hit 800k do you think that client's going to be disappointed no probably not 40k and 800k out right they're not going to be disappointed so what this is also about is about value for money and also the perceived value that that client is getting okay so they're still getting extraordinary value for money but what you can do when you've got skin in the game as well you could you could uh, a really high 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 perceived value for something you could say well listen i keep your 40k but i'll do your next launch for free Mm. okay I see. so you still get paid your worth for that project yeah but to them they're like wow free launch that's amazing and they make another 800k out of it or you could you could agree some kind of like profit share on it but what you can start to do is de-risk it for them okay Mm. it's a bit like with you know with the book the print cost for me is like two bucks it's not very expensive it costs a bit extra to ship it to australia yeah right but the reality is like most people go into a bookshop and spend 15 or 20 bucks on a book Okay, because that's their perceived value of it. But the perceived value of that book is, you know, eight, 10 times the value of what it would actually cost me to print it. And then when you actually get into the content of the book and the value which you can then derive from that, well, now the perceived value is 100, 200, or 500 times greater than, you know, the cost that what it costs me to actually print the book. So being able to offer your guarantee, but back it up with some kind of high value, high value, but high perceived value guarantee. Um, like puts you in the driving seat. Yeah, I like that. Because I was going to say with a launch, I can't rewrite it. But you're saying if it's based, I love that example of if we don't hit this number, but we're still going to get you a really good, in the, if we still get the client a really good result, they're not going to be annoyed. But you say in the conditions, the next one would be free. You're still essentially getting paid 20K. Each. Yeah, it was just, yeah, absolutely. I, I worked with a really more great, before. Um, I, I, I was mentored by a really amazing copywriter. He, he um, trained a lot of the team for Agora um, who produced, you know, about a third of the copy that's on content that's on the web. And he was telling me a story about how um, he, he, when he first started out, he used to charge $5,000 US for a, a two page sales letter. So back in the, 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 arc, the, the, the dark ages of doing sort of direct response copywriting yep. and stuff. Yep. And um, even back then, that was, you know, a substantial amount of money. And then one guy, this one day, this guy comes along who is, um, you know, wants it done tomorrow. Uh, he's a bit of a dickhead, like to work with. Yeah, uh, he likes point. to edit stuff. You know, he, he's, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And my, my mentor was just like, do you know what? For you, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for 50,000. So 10x the price. Okay. And not only that, but he asked for a royalty, which he hadn't had the confidence to ask for up until yeah. up until this point. So he asked for a 0.25% of a royalty on whatever the upside was of this launch. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy said, yes. And 0.25%, by the way, doesn't sound like a lot, but I'll tell you the value of that launch in a, in a second. Mm. Anyway, so the guy says, yes. And part of the part of the prerequisites were that this guy didn't edit any of the copy. If he changed an apostrophe, moved to full stop, did you know, changed a word, yeah. that was the guarantee null and void. He wouldn't get the money back. Okay, mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't have access to it. So the guy changed the copy. Money back guarantee is now gone. Uh, the initially that first launch tanked, and so my my and the guy started trying to harass him, trying to get his money back. And my mentor said, "Listen, let's rerun the launch." We'll use my copy that I wrote first time around and we'll run the launch my way. Yeah. That launch ended up doing $400 million. It's a supplements <laughs> business, right? 400 million. 
yeah, 0.25% of that, you work it out. Maybe maybe we should give a prize away for of a copy of the book for oh, whoever can do that. Oh, no, I'm not good at maths. <laughs> yeah, a lot of money, a lot of money. You know, so and, but but also the moral of the story is he never charged less than fifty thousand dollars for a two-page sales letter after that. Because somebody charged paid less it, than two hundred fifty k. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he validated it. And so then my question is: Does that mean it doesn't matter who the client was? He always had that pitch, but when the right client came along, it was an easy pitch. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. Okay, okay, I see where you're going now. That makes more sense. All right, well. Is there anything, so that, that exercise that you just did with me, is there, is there another, ex, another sort of pricing exercise that you, um, for someone at home or, or is it some sort of, I don't know, journaling exercise or questions you should be thinking about? Yeah, so, so one of the biggest mistakes that business owners tend to make as well as, um, so I, I take, as you can guess, I'm very much like the, the numbers guy, the simple numbers guy when it comes to business. So yeah. um, most people, when they start up in business, they, you know, we're all to- told by the gurus and experts to do, to write up a business plan, okay? Now, I, I'm not a big fan of the big monolith, like 65 page, you know, business plans, because we're not getting again. funding, we're not taking it to bank accountants or whatever to get loans and stuff. This is a personal document, it actually only needs to be a few pages long. But the simple version of the business plan looks like this, okay, and yep. this is to work out what value you should think about charging from the from the word go. So let's take, for example, if you wanted to earn a, you know, have a six figure business, $100,000 um, a year or something like that. And maybe, I don't know, you start off by selling um, either either time for money, but let's say your widgets cost $1,000. What you do is you take the 100,000, divide it by 1,000, and you end up with 100 clients, okay? And so I always go through this exercise first and foremost with, with my clients. I'm like, cool. So capacity-wise, could you work with 100 clients a year? And more often than not, you know, when you do this piece of simple math, they, the international sign of distress goes out. No, I couldn't possibly work with that that's, many people. Yeah, that's too much. Cool. So you're math, you want the big goal. You want the six-figure business. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, your capacity and your ability to deliver, just it, the economics of it don't stack up. So then let's say, for example, if, well, actually, my capacity ends up, or your, your listener's capacity ends up being 20 clients a year. Well, you take 100K, you divide it by 20, and your optimal price point is going to be 5K. So you've got to close the gap between what you were hoping, like yeah. hoping to start off charging a thousand dollars and get it to five thousand yeah. dollars as quickly as you can. And that's twenty uh, actual close. Cl- sorry to cut you off. That's twenty close clients. Doesn't yeah. mean you talk to twenty people. You've got to talk to a lot more people than that. Yeah, that's it. So we, I, I again, I mentioned earlier on a good close rate is somewhere in the region of about one in five to one in three for a service-based business. Okay. Yep. So, so yeah, so absolutely. So you probably got to speak to five times the number of clients you want to close. I mean, that's only like one client two clients a week that you've got to, or prospective clients a week that you've got to speak to in order to get those 20 clients through. So that that's not actually that many conversations if you think about it. Okay. Yeah. The, the number of hundred sounds a lot. When you break it down to two a week, can you speak to two prospective clients a week? I think yeah. most people Easy. could manage that. Easy. Yeah. You know, and the, and the reason why one in five to one in three is important as well is, um, so when I speak to a lot of service client businesses, they'll, they'll wear their conversion rate like a badge of honor. You put me in front yeah. of the right people, I'll close 80 to 90% of people, right? And they, they, the mistake they make is they assume that they're a good salesperson because of that. But actually, the reality is more often than not, they're too cheap. So I'll, when I offer them the mm, challenge and I say, okay. listen, well, if you doubled your prices, could you keep a 90% conversion rate? 
oh no, don't be ridiculous, Robin. I can never just, you know, be, be, nobody would ever pay that much. So all of the, mm. all of the fear, the confidence, it gets knocked straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. You know, but a, a good, a skilled, uh, professional salesperson, if if they're selling at ninety percent at a particular price, you could pretty much guarantee they could double the price and get pretty close to that same high conversion rate. So actually, if you think about it, for for the average business owner, service client business owner, your 20 to 30%, or 20 to 40% conversion rate is like a needle which sits in the middle of the dial, okay? Mm. So, and, it, and it's a good indicator. So when when we're over that, we're at like 70, 80, 90% where we're too cheap, the dial's over here. And we need to kind of artificially, that's a, you know, that's bring that dial back into the center, okay? We're in the sweet spot, okay? And then if life gets in the way, our confidence dips, maybe there's an economic crisis or a pandemic or something like that. And the price we're selling it at now, there's not quite as much demand. So now the needle shifts that way and the conversion rate starts to drop. We know we've got to do something in order to start to adjust that back. Right Now, more often than not, it's not dropping a price. It's actually just, you need to, you, you can do one of two things. You can get better at sales and articulating your value or you can get more flexible over payment terms. So we've seen people double their conversion rate by, again, shouldering a little bit of the risk and allowing their clients to pay on installment plans. Yeah. You know, and so all, all of a sudden you can go from sort of a 15% conversion rate to a 30% conversion rate at the same price point. Now, obviously it takes a while to collect the cash in, but after six or 12 months, depending on how long the payment terms are, you start to become cash flow positive. Your run rate's good. And now you get your monthlies back up again. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So if, so just to recap for the audience, <clears throat> if, if your close, so our optimal close rate is going to be between 20 and 30%. And yep. so it, typically if you're in the above, let's just say 35 um, and maybe it's, it might be too expensive. So your test might be, okay, let's double the price. Let's triple the price and let's see what the conversion rates go from there. And our deal sweet spot, like you said, is between 20 and 30%. Um, when there is a crisis, however, the temptation is to discount, is to devalue our value, which isn't the best thing. Yeah. So that's why I love how you said just spreading it out over two to three. Or how many months would you recommend in, or that you saw? During say, well, it, it depends on uh, what your clients can afford. So it depends on their, their level of affordability, your, your aversion to risk. So if you're fairly, fairly comfortable with it, taking on shouldering a bit of risk, you're fairly comfortable that you're going to get a result for your client. I mean, I'd say 12 months is acceptable. Um, here in the UK, believe it or not, if you actually extend payment terms, like in, effectively interest-free credit over more than 12 months, you actually have to be FCA regulated. Okay. So with our with our financial conduct authority, um, it's, yep. it's a ridiculous rule. So actually 12 months is the limit here in the UK for small businesses. Mm -hmm. um, but I've seen people just split it over three installments, for example, and still had great success with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And have you, this might be a silly question, might not be, have you heard of price anchoring? Uh, yes. It's um, funny enough, actually, I, I, it's one of the areas of pricing, which I don't know a lot about, and I don't actually coach in the program. And I, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to dig deep for the reasons why here. So maybe we need to spitball this one and see where we end up, Jules. With, with what it is, or you want to just to lay it on you what what's, what's your take on it and then I'll, I'll i'll jump in with my sort of my view well it's interesting i i'm going through a group program right now and it's sales closing related and um it's where you first present a price that's much higher and for a legitimate reason you let them know that 
it's actually not going to be that price for this specific reason today only it's going to be at this price. So you're setting the expectations. Wow, I'm actually getting a good deal. I'm not actually discounting just for the sake of discounting. There's a well, there's it's, a, it's a fake discount, isn't it? So okay. you are you overinflate the price to then drop it. Well, let's just say for the examples they use was say like they had like a beta program, and so normally say like someone might be charging 12k for a program, but for the beta boat program it'd be today six thousand dollars, and in the well future, then it's only worth six thousand dollars. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's never worth it's not it's never worth twelve thousand dollars. It's only worth six that day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, but not just that day. It's like what it, it's um for me. There's a little bit of it's it's a bit disingenuous. It does sound a little um, disingenuous. I agree. Yeah, and I, I so I my my view is what it's worth. Sell it for what it's worth, and be confident about that. If it's worth twelve, you should be selling it at twelve. If it's genuinely worth twelve, when you see these like um, I, they're called value stacks. So, oh, uh, you know, you, you get this bit of the portal and that's worth nine k. You get this bit of coaching and that's worth twenty three k. Inflate the value to ten value. But today it's only nine nine seven, and magically all of these numbers always end with a seven or a nine, right? It's only worth nine nine seven. You know, it's not worth all of those big numbers that they're putting there. If it was genuinely worth like $50,000, sell it for 50K. You know, yeah. and the reason they don't sell it for 50K is because they can't sell it for 50K. They're yeah. struggling to sell it at 50K. They have to artificially inflate it. Well, that's why I like your, um, your results-based guarantee because it doesn't feel... Someone might not walk away and be like, was that... I don't know if that, that's actual price. They're actually feeling like... Hey, if I invest today, I'm getting a great deal either way, whether it's successful or not. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's the whole thing. It's like it's but but that's about you having confidence in your ability to deliver. And I think if um if you challenge most people on guarantees, mm. and I, I always say, listen, you need to get to a point with your product or service whereby you cannot like genuinely offer a hundred percent money back guarantee on your product or service. Okay. And there are there are even very few um, like high street retailers out there who have a no quibble money back guarantee. There's like there's two shops in the UK. Uh, there's one called John Lewis, and you could pretty much walk in there with any product, even having never bought it from John Lewis, and they will still give you money back for that product. Okay, that's how much they believe in their in their guarantee of their product. And but so many business owners, you ask them to put a money back guarantee on it. The reason they can't do that is because um, scarcity mindset starts to creep mm. in. So, for example, um, they'll be worried about the fact that if they don't have enough money in their bank account and they've now sold this product to somebody and then they ask for their money back. Well, they've just put that spent that money on filling their fridge up and paying the mortgage. So now the money's not there to be able to refund it. Yep. But that's not actually a way to think about it because you should be going into this thinking, well, I'm offering that guarantee because there's no hope in hell that they're ever going to get that money back. So I'm going to do such a damn good job. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I, I, when business owners get to that level of confidence, it, it shows. And that's that's how you build good relationships with clients. Yeah, totally agree. Hey, Robin, I just, I just had a thought that just came to mind as well. Hopefully you can answer this. So I sell basically booked calls, high ticket calls, right? it's up to the business owner to, to do the closing, right? And maybe there's other, other types of business that are similar, right? Where it's not all done for you. So for me, I can't necessarily charge at a fixed dollar rate because they have to do the closing, right? Yeah. So what would you do in that situation? 
Uh, I mean, you've got a couple of options. I mean, if 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 you know that they're closing, their closers are good. Mm. Um, you could negotiate a commission. So you know, it's for every deal that they close, you get a percentage of that for the leads which you send them. There's a risk though that if they don't have particularly good closers, obviously it's gonna it's gonna uh, it's gonna um. reduce your fee, which isn't great. What I would also have is a secondary service which you could upsell them, which is I'll train your closers. Yeah. So you're so you're uh, saying yeah. we'll bring you the leads and we'll teach you how to close them and have the best quality closers out there, or you have your own team of closers, for example. Um, so there's little again. There's there's it might be that you can actually create you know um, upsells and different products off yeah. the back end of this as well. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. After I'm just a one man show with a VA at the moment. So uh, <laughs> oh, let's let's just see how that goes. Partner up with somebody. So if you know somebody yeah, who who right. is good has a great team of closers partner up with them and say listen i'll work with you we do a commission only basis but you work with my team of closers mm. you know it doesn't have to be your you know jules's team it could be your partner's that, team that person's team yeah yeah i'm gonna write that down that's team of closers awesome that was free that was free by the way that piece of i know advice. i know i'll give you a i'll tip you where's, <laughs> your, where's your paypal email i'll give you after hey robert <laughs> i am um, nice What's uh? I just wanted to quick ask you a few personal questions. Shifting gear, sure. we had a really good chat on, on pricing, packaging. I love that. Um, I love to hear what's your vision in the next six to twelve months inside your business. Yeah, so for us, we we've um, you know, and this is this is probably where where I I'll, I'll be very honest. You know, we we've I've been very fortunate in the first sort of five years of running the coaching practice where year one we would we would easily doing six figures and i i don't i don't i don't say that to brag i don't say that i hope i say that to inspire people because i'm i'm not i'm not one of i, I don't want to be one of these like you know Lamborghini. fake gurus out there yeah. that promise the moon on a stick and then can't deliver on it but um and, and how i got there by the way is is part as part of the story because i think people just see these successful coaches and go oh well it was easy for them because of x y and z the reality was when I set up my set up fearless business, I, I looked at, I, I did the same exercises I talked about earlier. I set my goals. I worked out my capacity. I worked yeah. out, I did all of, all of the maths. I designed my program and, and I worked out how many. So in, the, in year one, I did 52 speaking engagements, 30 podcast interviews. I ran four free events of, to 200 plus people, cost me an arm and a leg to run those events, marketing events, for my business. I ran a networking um, business on the side to help raise my profile. So we met. Yeah. Uh, 12 times in the first year I did 125 consultations in that year alone 125 consultations okay so you add up all of that work plus doing all of the usual day-to-day plus doing the coaching and we enrolled I think in my first year I enrolled um, 42 clients across you know uh, some in a group format some in one-to-one format some just as one-off what I call breakthrough clients Um, so it was like an intense amount of work that then set me up for the next few years Um, even going into the pandemic where we're enrolling, you know, it's, it's modest. It's, you know, four to five clients a month, but we're doing it with regularity. And then, and then, and this is the honest part, um, mm-hmm. we got to April the 12th here in the UK um, this year. So a year into sort of post, you know, post lockdown and the world shift, the business world shifted dramatically. So a majority of fearless businesses, clients um, like me, they're, they have young families. So, um, April the 12th, everything opens back up. And I was thinking most people were expecting a surge in business. It was yeah. actually the opposite. People are like school runs, childcare, working part-time hours, like all of this stuff now because of homeschooling changing and, yep. 
and whatnot and getting back to normal and realizing like that they'd taken on way too much responsibility pre-pandemic. Um, I know, sorry, this is a long answer to your no, question, no, but keep going. hopefully this makes sense. So for, for Fearless Business, we actually saw a massive, we went back to like, we were doing one client a month after April the 12th for, for that quarter. Yeah. And there was a part where I was starting to think, gosh, is it, is it me? If I said, if I put something out on the internet, that's like really offended a load of people about like what's going on. Yeah. Um, it, it just went super quiet. And then I started to reach out to other coaches and, and, and business leaders um, in my local area and further afield across the UK. And they all experienced this like massive downturn when they were expecting an upsurge in, in, in new business. And don't get me wrong, there's plenty of businesses that have also done very well. And, and thankfully it's all picked up again, but, but I'm not, I'm good at what I do. I've got some incredible marketing assets, which I've invested a lot of time, energy and effort into building and created, you know, not, not a mega business, but it's, it's predict relatively predictable, but I'm still not immune to that happening in the business. And yeah. then the mindset starts to play games with you at that point. And this, this is the crux. This is the message. This is right. the punchline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been in business for 20 years. I've experienced lots of ups and downs. I, I was set on my first side hustle during the dot-com boom and bust. And I boomed and busted during that time. My second business, my agency through the 2008 financial crisis, we've had these big like economic shifts whilst I've been in business, big changes in technology, big changes in all sorts of different things. And um, I always used to panic. And, and this time around, I was like, right, because from day dot of the coaching practice, I was like, I need six months worth of operating overhead saved up in a bank account. So when the monkey starts chattering, I yeah. go, it's okay. I've got 50K in the bank. Yep. Okay? And I'm not saying money. this to brag yet. I'm saying this as a warning. Every business owner needs to have minimum three to six months worth of operating overhead. And if that's your mortgage, count that in that, that you know, put that in that kitty as well. But as quickly as you can, if it takes you two years to save it up, start saving today so that when, when, because it's external circumstances come in and that's what really, if I can swear, is it okay to swear? Yes, go that's for it. That's what really fucks, fucks around with this. Okay. Yeah, external circumstances come in and this beautiful, beautifully designed business that we've put all of our time, energy, literally sweat and tears into, you know, um, building up. Then a pandemic comes along and pulls the rug under from your feet. Yep. And actually, I, I watched businesses like going under through poor decision making and lack of planning. And the ones who did well out of this are the ones who just saved and were sensible. And it's really boring advice. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> but it, it's Worked. what saved my bacon. So we, we hit the downturn and we had that quarter where it's like one client a month. And there was a part of me which is starting to panic. But then I was like, it's cool. I've got money saved up. This will, this will see us through the next 12 months if we don't enroll a single other client during this mm. time. And that's just not going to happen. It hasn't happened over the last five years. And I've got everything in place to carry on, you know, bringing new clients into fearless yeah. business. Yeah. I love how you said you got that money in the bank because when external, it's, it's all well and good to not have a scarcity mindset, but when there's, external circumstances that you have no control over it's kind of hard to think abundantly right it's kind of hard yeah. to think that, that you, oh, can't, you can't make sound decisions when you're yeah. when your back's against the wall the monkey's chattering on your shoulder going mm. you've got no money you've got no money how are you going to pay your mortgage and um people's mindset they start to they get creative but in a really bad way they start to like un, they start to unfix all of the problems that they solved before like, does that make sense unfix so, the problems like what do you mean 
Well, they, they, they start to, so if, for example, they had, they, they had a, a, a great copywriter who helped them with some amazing launches and that sure. was expensive, but it got them great results. Yeah. Um, they have a downturn and the money's scarce and now they can't pay jewels. So now they start to scratch around and try different marketing yeah. stuff. That, I'll read a book and try and do it myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's a good starting point. At least books are cheap, you know, and yeah. there's some great, there's some brilliant books out there, but but it's, it's, they start to do things differently in ways that didn't help their business, that was helping their business beforehand. So they start to make unsound decisions and it's purely driven by fear. So yeah. if you think about it, whenever you're, whenever you're put into a, a fearful place, um, your adrenaline kicks off. So let's say, for example, somebody cuts you up when you're out driving your car, your adrenaline kicks off. The, the good blood, that's why they call it, rush of blood to the head, okay? Mm. The blood rushes away from where the, where it's supposed, it actually it's not a rush of blood to the head, it's a rush of blood from the head. So the oxygen gets depleted in your brain cells and it can't make good quality decisions because all of the blood's gone to your organs and your limbs to run away or fight this thing or just, right. you just you know, shit scared, you freeze, right? So, and it's the same thing in business, external circumstance comes in, somebody leaves you a one-star review in your book, whatever it is, mm-hmm. something, something random happens that just triggers that Neanderthal oh, inside yeah. us, rush of blood from the head and we make poor decisions and you know, you know what happens next. <laughs> Shit hits the fan, that's what happens next. It hits the fan, it gets worse. Like we, we build bad decision on bad decision on bad decision and it and- stacks. Yeah, and Robin's boring advice is just put a little bit away. Each time it, the money comes in the bank or each time a client comes through or, or how do you like to do yeah. it? Yeah, so, so I, I, I don't know if you've ever read the book Profit First. So it's a really, really On amazing book. Yeah, so he, he talks about pro, the idea behind Profit First is you do pay yourself first, but it's obviously calculated. But you have little, um, so I, I've got a, an app on my phone here. It's called Starling. It's a, an online bank account and it has these spaces in it. And what happens is um, you set up, a, so whenever somebody pays me, I siphon off a bit into a savings account for me, a bit to the VAT, the tax man for, for VAT, yeah. a bit to the other tax man for my corporation tax each year, uh, a bit into a fun fund. So I've got these, these little pocket spaces, which yeah. are siloed and it comes off of my balance. So I can't spend it. And, and gradually over time, I've just added and added and added to each of those to a point now where like most people, they get their tax bill and then they figure out how they're going to pay it. Right. Okay. Yep. Which, which is bad, bad planning. Cause if the next year is rubbish, you're not going to be able to pay the, the tax back. Okay. Yep. So over several years, gradually through this, this method, I've got to a point where I've actually got like now 18 months worth of my future corporation tax in a savings account. So I could continue to trade. Yeah. Have less money, but know that all of my tax is paid for the, for the next, the next years, three years. Right. So I never have to worry about the tax plan. It's brilliant. I really like that for mental health reasons. Um, that that's critical and getting rid of that scarcity abundance, scarcity mindset. It really reminds me of um, Ramit Sethi's "I will teach you to be rich," where he's like, "You need to automate this shit because it's it's otherwise you get to, one you get attached to it. Like fuck, I have to give money, I have to give money, I have to give money, um, and two people forget. <laughs> that's the other one. They just forget how to do it. So yeah, um, automate it and and. It- and, and again, I don't say this to brag as well. There is a point when you can actually, so converse to that. So six months to 12 months is cash is there. You can oversave and now you've got money that's not working for you. And that's also not a good thing either. Mm. So, so that's the point when, and you don't, you don't have to spend the money just for the sake of spending the money. 
but um but i'm now i'm now able to you know that extra bit of the i call it the fun fun basically when that bill builds up to um a certain amount i'm like cool what marketing thing could i potentially spend this money on that's going to get me an even greater return on on you know my investment get more clients through doors you know and, and so it starts to spin it up and it it's it's quite a slow way of growing a business and i think this is like again one of the biggest mistakes people make we go to bed excuse me we go to bed at night with daydreams you know in our head about this business we started that all of a sudden is going to pump loads of money and change our lives and we drive around in lambos and all this stuff that's going to happen tomorrow yeah the reality is like the most sound businesses the most secure businesses take they grow over time gradually some at a more accelerated uh, rate some at an an even slower rate but slow and steady growth is actually really good quality growth that produces good, good, positive cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I think that the, one of the best takeaway advice you left there is like, stop focusing on, you didn't quite explicitly say it, but stop focusing on everyone else and just fo- put your blinders on and, and just, and just do it the right way, which is just uh, slow and steady. What, 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 what benefit is it to get there much faster? I, I don't know. Um, people want to get those external material things maybe faster than everyone else. But I guess it just comes down to what, why you're in business in the first place as well. Like, is it, is it security? Is it financial freedom? Is it a new life, better life for your family? Then I like what you just said. Because if, if you're yeah. doing it long and slow, then it fits a lot of the reasons why you got into business in the, in the first place. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's about for me. It's about. Um, I, I don't know if you you're asking me that as a question, but I'll. I'll oh, it's open ended, I guess. Yeah. Um, for me, for me, it was about like a complete lifestyle shift. So I had an office in town. It was like I was doing the, the dance between, you know, school office home, school office home, school office home in the agency days, and it was just too frenetic. It's just too fast a pace of, of life for, for me personally. Um, and now, now I have this, uh, today, very hot office, um, <laughs> yep. which is in, you know, yep. in, in my, in my garden, you know, Just remembered. <laughs> from my <laughs> home. And, um, uh, it means that, you know, whilst I may not, you know, some, some afternoons, I'll just take the afternoon off and kick back with the kids and it's, it's great fun. You know, we had the paddling pool out the other day and, uh, you know, I got my speedos on and jumped into it and probably nobody needs to have that thought in their head at all. <laughs> But, but you can do that when you run your own business and set, set a business up. You know, it's, at that point, it's not about work-life balance. It's just about balance. But even if when I am busy working and the girls come home from school, I can stick my head out the window and say hi to them when they get home. Yeah. And that, that little moment makes a big difference to them, makes a big difference to me mentally. Absolutely. And I, I'd sacrifice a lot of money, like probably 15 years ago, to realize that sooner. I mean, obviously, my kids weren't around 15 years ago, but I think you get get, get the principle get there. The yeah, yeah. Um, and there's there's it, I liken it to an accordion. There's times when the business is like really busy and really frenetic, and everything's very compressed, and it all happens very fast. And there's also times when it, it eases off. And I, I think a lot of um, business owners, again, when it eases off, they actually try and force it to be busy. So during this period where we had a bit of a, a downturn with with Fearless, I, it was a really great opportunity for me just to kind of kick back and consolidate on some projects that I was working on, spend a bit more time with the family, you know, double down on the clients that we've already got in the program and things mm. like that. And actually that's really valuable as well, rather than constantly like cranking the handle to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Let's consolidate, let's flatline it for a bit and then let's take off again. Very, very smart, very, very wise of you to, to observe the environment, what's going on and how it is. And I think all the messages you shared today were super valuable. 
I want to end it there because I know you're probably sweating so so much, <laughs> and I want to end tiny. your misery. But uh, you're more than welcome to let my audience. This this episode is probably going to go out in November. Just letting you know. So if you've got an event coming up around early next year, or you got something you want to give away, you're more than welcome to talk about it right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I always make take your shot as my gift to the world. It's it, it's an introduction into kind of the whole productizing and pricing sort of um, philosophy, which we teach in Fearless Business. Uh, and uh, I, got, I get accused occasionally of kind of, you know, almost it dumbing down and it being too simple for business owners. But I think there is quite a strong message in the book. So I actually make it available to any anybody who wants to get hold of a copy. They can go to fearless.biz forward slash TYS for take your shot. Um, and then in terms of the um, what's coming up next, um, the new the new book is is well underway. I'm about two thirds of the way writing that. So um, that will hopefully also be available shortly as well. So if you get hold of Take Your Shot, you'll get notified about the new book coming out, too. And again, that's that's going to be solidly on pricing and money mindset. Um, it's going to be really transformational in terms of book. It's quite a different style of book to Take Your Shot. And again, I'm going to be giving that away as a gift to the world as well, because I think um too few business owners, too few people really understand money, wealth creation, uh, and have confidence in in themselves and the value which they they deliver. So I, I want to change that. Yeah, I love that message. And your business is uh, your podcast is the Fearless Business Podcast. Yes, the Fearless Business Podcast, not to be uh, confused with the Fear Less Business Podcast. Ah, I didn't realize word. at the time there was one with the same name. So yeah, the Fearless Business Podcast. Perfect. Robin, thank you so much for coming on to Storytelling Secrets. I really enjoyed our chat today. Awesome. Thank you, Jules. Really appreciate you inviting me on. Hey, this is Jules here. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. I really appreciate it. So if you want to go check out my guests' freebie, what they spoke about, learn a little bit more about them, maybe they've got an event they spoke about on the podcast, you're going to find all the information below in the podcast notes. And on top of that, if you really enjoyed the podcast, if you absolutely loved Storytelling Secrets, I'd really appreciate it if you go leave a review on iTunes. It helps get the podcast out to more people and uh, I'd be really, really grateful. On top of that, if you leave a review, a written review, I'd be more than happy to read it out on air. So you're more than welcome to drop a note, say hello to a friend, promote your business, whatever. The mic is yours, so to speak. So other than that, Thank you so much for listening. Go leave a review and I'll see you next time on the podcast.